0: The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. At the door. Praise the Lord. Glory be to Jesus. Hallelujah. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody once again. And um, like I did at the first service, i start with a joke again. Same joke. So if you have heard my joke in the first service, when, I, when you get to that point where you have to laugh, just laugh. Uh-huh. So there's this story of a a couple that has been married for so long. They've been married for like 15 years. But throughout that 15 years, there was always something they were always arguing over. You know, so what, what was it? The husband, every time he uses the toothpaste in the morning after brushing his teeth, he would not cover it up with the cap of the toothpaste. And it used to be a major issue with them, between the two of them. You know, the husband will always say, ah, what's the big deal? Okay, I didn't cover it. They yeah, cover it when you see it now. I mean, you guys can relate to that, Abi. was what, the awahala? Abi? And the, the wife will be like, but you met it closed. Why can't you leave it closed when you are done with it? What's your problem? Women, too, you can relate to that, right? Uh, you say, sure. Hallelujah. And it went on and on like that for a long time, 15 years. Then finally, it became, there was a time where it was Father's Day. Father's Day. So the man now decided and said, okay, for 15 years, I've just ignored this woman. Now it's Father's Day. Let me repent. So, on Father's Day, after brushing his teeth, he decided to cover the toothpaste. And he was waiting for a comment from the woman, from the wife. And she did not make a comment. Second day, he brushed his teeth again. He covered it up. deliberate. You know, some of these things, a, it takes a lot. You know, just some of these seemingly non-important things. It takes a lot when you see someone trying to actually change. Abby. Guys, you know you know it's tough, eh? You women are here now. It's a lot of effort. So the guy decides and says, okay, he's going to start covering. So the second day, he covered it. The woman still didn't make a comment. Third day, ah, this woman still didn't make a comment. Fourth day, fifth day, one week, two weeks. Then the guy says, no, 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 no. I can't take this anymore. And called the woman and said, madam, we have to discuss. I have something I want to say to you. And the woman came and said, yes, me too, I have something I want to say to you. So the guy being a gentleman said, okay, you go first. And the woman says, why have you stopped brushing your teeth for the last two weeks? (laughs) Hallelujah. You see how we we, we are just trying to make an effort and she's interpreting, I mean, you know, they, they say you can't satisfy a woman. Hallelujah. Let's put our hands together for the Lord. Glory be to God. And for those of you that have heard the joke before and you still laughed, give yourself a round of applause also. Yes. Hallelujah. Okay. Before we go into the Word of God today, we will start out by praying, just as we did in the first service. So could you please kindly rise up on your feet? And um, we'll start out by thanking God for Nigeria we are, let's just lift up our voice and just bless the name of the Lord for the country where we are in right now. And if you're not in Nigeria, if anywhere you are all over the world, just begin to bless the name of the Lord for the country where you are in and just say thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you have been doing. Thank you for where we are as a nation, where we are as a people. Lord, we are grateful. We thank you from the depths of our hearts. We give you praise and glory. We honor you. We adore you. Thank you, thank you for Nigeria. We are grateful, we are grateful, we are grateful for where we are, standing still as one, oh God. We thank you, we thank you. We bless your name, oh God. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Second prayer point, a very, very quick background. is the story of the engagement that Elijah had on the Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal. You know, the, the prophets were there, And uh, he threw a challenge to them and said, look, let's decide and settle this matter today. Which God is God? Is he Baal or the God, creator of the heavens and the earth? So they started, they they, they had two sacrifices and they said, look, we're not going to light up these sacrifices. We're going to pray to our God to call fire from heaven and let the fire consume the offerings that we have put on the altar. And... He said, Oh, yeah, prophets, 450 of you, you are plenty. Start. And they went on and on. The Bible says that they started from morning till around noonday, a minimum of about four to five hours, crying unto their God, praying and shouting, saying, Fire, 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 fire did not come. Then Elijah began to wind them and pepper them. You know, and he even went as far as saying that cry louder, maybe. Paradventure, your God is sleeping. You need to shout more so that he can wake up. And they too, ignorantly, they took knives. You know, I don't know if it happens in other tribes, but where I come from, I'm a Yoruba man. Where I come from, at times when you are fighting some dirty fights and you know you are powerless against the person you are fighting, you can begin to say things like, I will kill myself on your neck. You've heard that before, right? So these people took knives and began to cut themselves. More or less like saying that this Baal, if you don't answer, we will kill ourselves or or your neko. But at the end of all of that, nothing happened. They were adjuncted. Praise God. So when they were done, then Elijah showed up and said, 1 Kings 18.36. At the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. So Elijah was saying, prove that you are my God. You know, we're in the season where we're saying, I mean, this series we're running now, it's, the title is Words to Live By. And if you remember, if you've been in church, God's favorite house for some time, you remember there was a time God spoke to us specifically about Nigeria. And what God said to us was, Nigeria will win. Nigeria will win. We are in the season right now where I want us to bring that word back to God. Just like Elijah was saying, prove today that you are God in God's favorite house and that we are your servants. Prove that you have told us that Nigeria will win. So I want us to lift up our voices and cry out unto God and say, Father, Prove to us now that Nigeria will win. This season of our life as a nation, prove to us, oh God, show us, oh Lord, a sign that indeed Nigeria will win. Oh, my Father, cause fire to come, oh Lord, to consume all the consumables, oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Prove to us, oh my Father, concerning this nation, oh God, that Nigeria will win, in the mighty name of Jesus. Show sure to us, O oh Lord, and prove it, O oh God, that indeed Nigeria will win. Oh, Father, we are grateful. We thank you because your words never fail, O oh Lord. We are eternally grateful. Almighty oh, God, we bless your name. Give you praise and glory, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Our Father and our God, we just want to thank you. We bless your name because there is no God like you. Thank you for another day, another time to share your word, to speak to your people. I ask in the name of Jesus that your hand will be upon me right now. Speak through me in the name of Jesus. Every words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, the thoughts in my heart. Let be let it be aligned with you in the name of Jesus. Let me speak as I ought to speak. Let us hear as we ought to hear. And let your name and your name alone be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you, Lord. In Jesus' limitless name, we have prayed. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Thank you very much. Okay, words to live by, part two. Anytime, if you've been in Red House, uh, anytime that a pastor wants to run a series, usually we'll take the series from start to finish. So I was very, very shocked, you know, when when he called me last week and said, ah, Kule, you are going to take part two. I was like, but it's you that God spoke to now. I said, well, you're going to teach us words to live by. What's my own now? <laughs> but here I am right now, and uh, let, let's see what God will do. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. So from last week, I just could do a very, very quick recap. Um, I'll do a very, very quick recap. From last week, we learned that um, in the Bible, Bible Scholars have said that there are about 8,000 different promises of God in the Bible. 8,000 that we can hold on to. I mean, that, we, that 8,000 sure banker promises that we can hold on to all across the Bible. Um, there are three things that we also learned from last week about God's promises. The first one is that God makes conditional and unconditional promises. Uh, conditional means that means that you, there are some things you need to do for God to do what he alone can do. And there are some that you don't even need to do anything. You are blessed, for example. You are blessed in your going out and your coming in. You know, you are blessed in the city. That's a blessing that has just been released upon us so long as you are a child of Abraham. The second thing that we have to learn also that we learned is that God gives his word to teach us to trust him in difficult times. God has released those words to teach us to trust him in difficult times. And the third thing that we learned about God's promises from last week also is that God gives us his word to make us more like himself. God gives us his word to make us more like himself. So last week, the four words to live by that we dwelled upon. The first one was that the Holy Spirit will connect me to God's presence. Second one, the Holy Spirit will teach me how to know God. The third one, the Holy Spirit will help me in my walk with God. And the fourth one was that the Holy Spirit will convict me of my need for God. Capturing all of this together, it was clear that any time that you, you, you find someone that maybe knows he's about to die or is about to leave the earth, uh, the words that he begins to speak are very important words, very critical words to hold on to. You know, uh, if it's an old man that is about to die, when he calls his children and begins to, when he knows that, oh, time has come, when he calls his children and wants to talk important stuff, that's not when he calls them and says, oh, who, who, who won the Champions League in 2022? Or who is going to win Roland Garros this afternoon? You don't know what Roland Garros is. You don't get it? Forget about it. Hallelujah. I mean, he talks about serious stuff. And on that basis, God, uh, Pastor gave us an assignment and said we should go and study the book of John, chapter 13, verse. Uh, John, chapter 13. All the way to chapter 17. How many of us did that assignment? Hmm. I'm about to sing Olodo Rabata. <laughs> Praise God. Well, if you had done the assignments like I did, you would have just been in a position to help me to preach this sermon today. Because in that assignment is what all that we're going to be sharing today. Praise God. So we start out the first word. For today, that we that we can live by, the first thing that we can live by is the fact that Jesus wants us to be fruitful. Jesus wants us to be fruitful, and we we can pick that. The text for that is taken from John chapter fifteen, verses one to five. John chapter fifteen, verses one to five, and I will read it. It says, "I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off." Every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. I'll stop there. And I'll tell a story. When I was growing up, uh, I mean, I grew up in my uh, family house, my father's house, of course, uh, at K2 in Lagos. In our compound, we had a big tree. You know the fruits that we call fruits? We know it, right? Uh, Fruits. If you really want to call it well, you call it front. (laughs) Well, that tree was in our compound. Very big. You know, my my mom used to care for it. I mean, Saturday morning, she would call all of us. The trees would have dropped a lot of leaves all over the compound. She would get us out in the morning. That was our own environmental sanitation. You sweep and sweep. She just used to like the, the tree. And even me, I used to like it. Because you want to have a party in the house, you don't need to bother to get a canopy. It's, it's already canopied. You know, if you park your car, you can be sure that you are not going to get in and it's hot because it's, you will park under it. You know, it was just in a very good position in the compound that it stretches and gives us, you know, shade. So I, I used to like it. Then my mom dies like 12 years ago, thereabouts, you know, and it was less than one year. Less than one year, my father cut it off. Cut off the end. I just went to the house one day and I saw that the whole thing was down. And I was like, ah, what happened? My father was like, it's just a a waste of space that the tree was not producing sweet fruits. And it was true. Because all through that time, even though it was big and everything, even though it was producing fruits, we never could eat the fruits. It was bitter for some strange reasons. So it wasn't producing good fruit. And Scripture is saying here that He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce good fruit, that doesn't produce fruit. So my father was following Scriptures by taking it off. And that applies critically to us because we're talking about the conditional promises of God. If God is saying we have to be fruitful, we have to be fruitful. If we are not fruitful... He will cut it off. Praise the Lord. We go for that. He says, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. Before I even go into that, this past week, so where I live right now, um, there's, a, there's a tree, there's a mango tree in my neighbor's compound. But it leans into our compound. So we technically just share the tree, all right? <laughs> then a few weeks or months ago, I can't even remember now, just one of those uh, evenings that we were just lounging or chilling, myself and my wife were just gisting with my neighbor like, ah, this beautiful tree, very big also. This good-looking tree has a lot of leaves, come it is not even producing fruits? Maybe it is not time and you know, we're just having a discussion and the whole thing is still there. So on Monday, I was about to leave the house in the morning. I just looked up and behold, I saw one fruit, one, one good looking, beautiful fruit. Bring the picture up. One mango fruit on the whole tree. One, and it was ripe. Look at it. No blemish, no spots, nothing. Right beside it was even a, bird, a bird's nest. And the bird did not even eat it. Beautiful. I was so excited. I called my wife. I said, babe, 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 come, come, come. This thing has finally produced. though." As soon as she saw it, immediately she called the neighbor. Neighbor, neighbor, come, come, come. Come and see our tree. It has produced, though. It's in my compound, so let me get this one. And they, they started going on and on about it. I left them. By the time this picture, I didn't take it myself. It's without, it was out of excitement. You can't even imagine the drama. There was a third friend of theirs that was exercising in the morning. They called down the road. Come and see, our tree has produced. Between the three of them, they managed to get the fruit down. The three of them sat down. One fruit, they shared it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, why am I talking about these fruits? It goes to about potentials. That plant has huge potentials to produce, but it is not producing maximally. Yet, when it has produced, we have the tendency to overcelebrate what we think is a success. What we think that is a a success, we tend to over-celebrate it. Meanwhile, God is saying, look, let me prune you. I'll read for that. He says, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruits, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Everybody say much fruit. Will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. In the first service, I was trying to do some analogy about this concept of pruning. You know, um, I am a farmer, so I can relate with pruning, but I'm not sure everybody understands. So I will explain a little bit about what it means to prune. All right. Can we see this well? Can you zoom in? Let me be sure that it's... Okay, great. All right. So, I drew this in the first service, as what a typical pepper plant looks like. Uh, so these are leaves. Is my drawing not good? They yeah, are clap for me now. I drew this as a typical pepper plant. All right? So what happens is that you plant the seed. The seed begins to come out. When it comes out, it produces those first two leaves that they call the cotyledons. They're not usually useful. They they rot away and fall fall away very, very soon. But after these first two leaves, they now begin to produce true leaves. And as it's producing the leaves, the plant is growing on and on. For peppers, after about roughly two weeks that it has been transplanted into the field, it will begin to produce fruits. Of course, flowers, then fruits. All right? It produces flowers that will convert to fruit. Now, if you leave the plant like this, as it grows, you are feeding it. Everything it is taking here is turning into leaves. And it's just growing one, usually one singular branch on and on like that. And eventually when it is time to produce fruit, it usually will produce at the top there about two fruits. Then when you harvest that, it come, maybe produces another branch. Then, then it continues its journey. What God is saying is that if you allow me to prune you, you can produce much fruit. So what does this mean? What does pruning mean? Pruning means from this point. Let me do it again so you understand. So, you have your soil, you have your seed in the soil. The plant goes out, produces the first two leaves. Goes up, produces the first leaf. Goes up, produces another leaf. Goes up, produces another one. You get it? Produces another one. Then gets here, And now wants to start producing those two seeds that we talked about. Right? Pruning. What it means is that once it gets to that point where it appears like it is ready to produce. Cut this place off. Not only do you cut that place off. Cut this leaf up. Cut this leaf off. Leave the branch, but cut this leaf. Cut this leaf. Then leave maybe one or two leaves. Now, when you are done cutting all of this, trust me, the plant looks ugly. The plant looks stressed the plant looks deformed, like something is wrong for a very short period. <coughs> Within three, two to three days, as soon as you cut this off, scientifically, underground, you won't see it physically, but what begins to happen is that the root system that initially was just this because it was, the plant wasn't stressed or anything, The root system is just air. It begins to stretch because there are two ways that the plant gets food from the roots and also from the sun. All right? There are no more leaves to do photosynthesis that will convert the food from the sun to the fruit. So this plant, the root area, now has to do extra work. So, extra work means that it will stretch further in search of food. So, the roots that would have normally have stopped around here now begins to stretch. Now, go and find out anywhere, scientifically. When you have a very good root structure of your plant that is very well stretched out, the plants usually will also be as big as the root area. All right? Are you, are you with me? This is farming 101. Now, when you cut off these leaves, after the roots begins to stretch, looking for more food and actually getting the food, next thing is that it now forces the plants to reproduce those leaves that have been cut off. But instead of just producing leaves now, it now produces branches. So for every leaf that has been cut off, let's say for here, it now produces a branch that goes out, produces a branch that goes out, produces a branch that goes out, produces a branch that goes out. Remember, we've cut off four leaves. Each of those branches now, now I mentioned earlier that when it wants to begin to produce fruits at the top, those two, the, the area where it produces the fruit usually will carry maybe like two fruits, usually. So each of these branches now, because of the fact that you have cut off this one, will now begin to produce the same two fruits that you appear that you have lost here. One, two, three, where's the fourth one? Okay, yeah, yeah. So, instead of you only getting two fruits, all of a sudden you are getting what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That is the power of pruning. When God says that, when you allow me to prune you, you will produce much fruit, Now, it doesn't even start to get very interesting here. Guess what? After you harvest this, each of these nodes, they call it nodes, will also produce two branches. And each one of them, carrying, you see how it just keeps multiplying? And it goes on and on. So, instead of in two generations of harvesting here, having two fruits, then maybe these two, now producing two, two, making a total of six. What happens here now? You now have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, multiply 16 plus the initial eight, 24, as against what you just get for for six. And just the multiplication ratio just keeps going on. Why? Simply because the plant was pruned. The plant was pruned. And that is exactly what God is saying. That if you allow me to prune you, then you will be fruitful. Now, the pruning exercise is not an easy experience. I can tell you that for free. Because pruning could be that, oh, you want to venture how to start a business. And you're finding it difficult. To, to, to get customers after you set the business, set up the business rather. Pruning could be, oh, um, you, you found the person you want to marry, but you are struggling with the cap of the toothpaste. Could be so many, and you're fighting because of that every day. Pruning could be so many, pruning could be God teaching you to say, look, wait, it's not yet time. It's not yet time to begin to celebrate that singular fruit on your plants because that plant next season is going to produce an abundance if only you just allow me to prune it. The one fruit that you see right now that looks like, oh, it's so beautiful and fresh and clean. There's so much more that can still come. There's so much more. What you have seen right now is very, very tiny compared to what God wants, wants to do. And unfortunately, in the world we're in today, where everybody is quick to, to rush to advertise or to celebrate whatever it is that you're doing, it, it's, 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 um, it's just a, what I call it, very limiting experience that you're giving to yourself. You know, you know the popular uh, skit that pastor is always talking about? Every money where I get, now flange your. So you just have one singular fruit on your tree. Every money where I get, na flange your. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You have to be patient and allow God to work on you. We need to be pruned. And to, to, to be fruitful it doesn't necessarily mean by monetary standards alone doesn't mean to be fruitful financially alone. Fruitfulness in the eyes of God is actually about impact. How impact, what impact are you making in the lives of the people around you? How impactful is your existence to humanity? How do you measure this? How do you know if you are being influential, if you are being fruitful in, the, in, in, in your calling? How do you know this? Three things that I think, three ways, or rather, that I think you can know is to ask yourself: How many people do you think you know, based on who you are, based on who you are to them? How many people are praying for you? Ask. Yourself, I mean, these are real questions, tough questions to ask yourself. How many people are praying for you that are ah, that thing that you are doing? May God. Support you. May God let you continue. How many people are praying for you? Second way that you can use to measure your fruitfulness. How many people see you genuinely and say thank you? I'm not talking about the people that hail you. That just see you and say, ah, Twi'le Baba. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not talking about the people that just want to hype you up. I gave an example of uh, in the first service about an experience I had a few years ago that was a, 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 a customer or someone I knew. He's a member of this church, actually. And um, I used to buy stuff from him. At times, I would go to his shop. Then uh, each time he sees me, he would always pass a very good compliment. You know, once he sees me, oh, Pastor K, wow, you're looking good. I would look at myself. At times, I may be wearing a short knicker in slippers. And I'm like, I'm looking good. Okay. Then I used to like the compliments. We all like compliments, don't we? Everybody likes a good compliment, you know? Even when you are not looking well, but you expect people to say you are looking well. So you like it. So I liked it. I'm normal. Praise God. (laughs) So unconsciously, I just realized that anytime I want to buy something from the shop, even though I have the option of maybe calling and someone can bring it to me, I would actually go there. So that when I entered, the guy was oh, Pastor K, you're looking good. And I used to feel good about it. Until one day, I had to buy something, and I couldn't go there physically. And I called on the phone. And as soon as he heard my voice, as soon as he heard my voice, he said, wow, Pastor K, you're looking good. And I was like, on the phone? <laughs> I'm looking good on the phone? Which means that it was just a very cheap compliment. That he was sending out to everybody. So it wasn't just me that was always looking good when I enter his shop. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you see, that's how we are as human beings. We all like compliments. We all like people that, are, that can hail us. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about every day. How many people, every week, every month, how many people do you actually see that tells you, thank you, sir, for that thing that you did. Thank you for the life that you are living. Thank you for how you treat your wife. Thank you for how you are caring for your children. Thank you for how you carry yourself every time I see you. How many people say that to you? That's to tell you how influential you are. That's to tell you how uh, how fruitful you are becoming. And Finally, the third way that you can know to know how you're being fruitful, is what is being said about the things that you do. What is being said about the things that you do? I know, yes, when we do good, we should hide it. But it is not all the things that are good that we do that can be hidden. Mark 7, 31 to 36. Bring it up. Mark 7, 31 to 36. I'll read. Jesus left Tyre and went up to Sidon. Before going back to the Sea of Galilee and and the region of the ten towns, a deaf man with a speech impediment, meaning deaf and dumb, was brought to him. And the people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man to heal him. Jesus led him away from the crowd so they could be alone. He put his fingers into the man's ears. Then spitting on his own fingers, he touched the man's tongue. Looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephata, which means be opened. Instantly, the man could hear perfectly, and his tongue was freed so he could speak plainly. Jesus told the crowd, here they hear. Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone, but the more he told them not to, the more they spread the news. There are some good that you do that no matter how much you want to hide it, you can't hide it. How many of such can be recorded about you? Those are indications for you to know how fruitful your life is or how fruitful you are becoming. Second word to hold on to. Jesus wants to cleanse us. Jesus wants to cleanse us. John chapter 13, John chapter 13, I'll read from verse 1, all the way very, very quickly to verse, okay, I'll just start, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave the world and return to his father, he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas. Let me mention also at this point that this story here of what happened here, this is Jesus' washing of feet, is only captured in the book of John. Matthew, Mark, and uh, Luke did not capture it. But in this same incident, which is the Passover, the the Passover, It was in this same incidence where the disciples were arguing amongst themselves. Who was the greatest amongst us? Who is the greatest? You can read about that in Luke 22. So, while they were arguing that, Jesus said, It was time for the supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So, he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet. So the disciples were arguing amongst themselves Who's the big boy here? Who's the greatest among us? Probably someone was even singing, "Are we the wrong this time?" <laughs> Abi? That's that, that's the hype. That's what they were thinking amongst themselves. But while they were doing this, trying to contest For who is leading? Who is the best amongst them? Jesus was going lower and saying, I want to serve. He was carrying the dressing of a servant. Let me finish reading. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped the towel around his waist, poured water into a basin... Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around them, around him. So while they were contesting for who is the best, who is the greatest, who is the big boy, Jesus was saying that that's not important. What is important is I want to serve you. I want to be the servant here. He was getting dressed as a servant. What Jesus was doing was the job that was, in quotes, the lowest job. You don't give the job of washing the feet of people to even the youngest person in the house. You give it to a servant, and usually it's even the lowest of the servants that does that job. If you go to Jewish, Jewish culture, it's the lowest of the servants in the house that does that job. This was a job that didn't require experience. You don't need experience to know how to wash feet now, Abby. So the question to you is, while you come to church, You come to God's favorite house. You are inside God's favorite house today. What's your plan? Are you here to be served? Or you are here to come and find a way to serve? Are you here for a cleansing? Because that's what Jesus is saying. That when you come to serve, you come to cleanse. Both ways, he wants to cleanse us. And that's where he's serving us. Hallelujah. Last week, the children showed us exactly what it is to serve. I was saying that my son, six-year-old, was with First Touch, six-year-old boy. He was standing there at the door with his tiny voice. He doesn't speak out very loud if you know him. You know, he was standing at the door and people were walking in and were saying, Welcome to service. Welcome to service. You will be shocked that for someone, that may be the high of his day. That wow, see this nice-looking boy giving me this kind of welcome in the church. You know, for someone that may be the high, the highest point of his day. And the choir, the children in the choir, the ushers on that day, amazing. Let's put our hands together for GFA children. See rock, they rock. Hallelujah. So ask yourself. What is your objective of being in church? Why do you come to church every time? Is it to be served or to serve? You may want to say, oh, no, 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 I'm not prepared. I'm not ready. Look, to serve is not, how do I explain it? You're just turning up at times. is enough ministry. You would not know. I remember back then when I, when I was still a younger Christian, you know, and um, I just moved from, I told you earlier that I was in K2. So I I got a job in in VI and I moved to VI. So I I started attending City of David. One of the things that used to keep me going as a young Christian then was that in City of David back then, I don't know what the status is right now, but back then in City of David that I could count clearly, I could see every Sunday, unless they were out of town, at least five bank MDs back then were ministers or pastors in in the city of David. Bank MDs. I was working in the bank then. I was still a very young officer in the bank. So I would look at the people that I'm looking up to, like, wow, see these people serving God. And they are bank MDs. So what what can be wrong with me? How can I get it wrong? This is what I want to be. So that was for me, a sermon that was unpreached. Just looking at them every Sunday and saying, wow, look at these guys. There were at least, again, two different multinationals that the MDs were also in the same, in the same church, serving as ministers then. So I, I would tell myself so, what, who am I that I would not follow this God if these big boys were serving God? So you're coming to church, you don't know who is being impacted. You don't know who is looking at you and saying, if only I can be, with this ma- be like this man. If only I can be like this woman that I see committed every day coming to church. A few weeks ago, I had an interesting engagement with someone. He walked up to me and said, look, why do I have to physically come to church if all I'm going to come and do is to watch a video of pastor preaching? I can sit down in my house and watch it, which was true. But the experience of being in community, you can never get it online. The experience of being in community, what I just shared now, if, if, if I have 50 bank MDs watching our service right now, how, how does that help me? How, how do I know? I, you, you get my point? You cannot rule out the place of community, which is why we are saying, that let's come back to church physically. Let's get back in church. Let's get back in church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, while we're thinking about this, I want us to think, ask ourselves three questions to determine, because what was happening while the disciples were contesting who was the big boy, Jesus was looking at the, his heart and saying, look at these people. His heart for them was a heart of love. That, it, 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 that, that's why he wanted to cleanse them. He wanted to wash them. So we have to ask ourselves these three questions to determine if we have the same kind of heart that Christ did when he served. So anytime you're doing anything or anytime, for example, let's use church as an example. When you come to church... The question is, what's your motivation? Are you coming to serve God? Are you coming to say, look, I'm going to be useful in the kingdom today? Are you coming to say, "Uh, I'm I'm going to look for someone that is not looking very happy. And I'll be a blessing to the person. Are you coming to say, look, I'm coming just to share my testimony of what God has done. Because that's a blessing. You don't know. You have something that God has done for you, and you come, you you record the testimony, and someone hears, and this person goes back motivated and encouraged. You have been a blessing. You have been a blessing. When we share testimonies, it's not just because we are filling space. No, that is ministry. You don't know the lives that have been blessed. Hallelujah. So what's your motivation for coming to church? Are you coming to say, okay, no, I'm just going to be blessed. I want to come. and hear a powerful word. I want to come. Then the pastor will lay hands upon me. Then I go home. And everything will be all right. So second question you need to ask yourself is that what is the need in front of you? What is the need in front of you? I'm not talking about what is that need that you are planning to do. If I ask everybody here today now in Nigeria, oh, if you had a billion dollars just dropped in your, maybe you know those miraculous alerts that, that is not real. You just have a miraculous alert of a billion dollars. You know that kind of alert that uh, the SMS cannot even, the zeros are many, you won't enter one SMS. You receive that kind of alert. And I ask you now, oh, what are you going to do? I'm sure you will talk about, oh, there are, no, there are no schools in my village. I'm going to go and build a school. There's no hospital in my village. I'm going to go and build a hospital to help the poor. I'm not talking about that. What is in front of you right now? We all have good intentions. Everybody. You ha- We're all good people. Look at, every- Look at the person beside you on your right or your left. They're good people. Yes, everybody has good intentions. I'm not talking about that kind of intention. Now, what is the need in front of you right now that you think you can feel? Look at the person beside you. Don't look completely, just look small. Is the person looking sad or happy? Would it be okay if after service, you walk up to person and say, you know, my brother, my sister, everything is going to be all right. I don't know what you're going through. But I believe very strongly with you that everything you are going through, God will sort you out. Just think about that. And think about the impact it will make. You know, my wife was sharing a story, I think it was during Thrive, when she said she was in a bus someday and God just spoke to her and said, look at the person beside you and tell the person, whatever you are going through, everything is going to be all right. You were in Thrive? Okay, those of you that were in Thrive, you got it. And she shared the story, and she, she initially said, I, I, "How can I just tell? I don't know what the person is going. To. How can I just tell her it's, it's going to be all right?" But she obeyed the Lord, and she told the person, "I don't, know, my sister, I don't know what you're going through, but God said I should tell you. It's going to be all right. He said the person almost jumped on her like, "Wow, you don't know how much that means to me." This and da, 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 da just because she saw the need in front of her, and she responded to it. She saw the need in front of her, and she responded to it. Glory be to God. Third thing you need to do, ask yourself, what do you have to give right now? What do you have to give right now? What do you have to give right now? When Peter, when, when, when Jesus had been crucified, remember, these are just poor fishermen for three and a half years, they were busy following Jesus up and down. As soon as Jesus was done, they were back to where they were. So they were walking into the temple. The blind man saw him. And what did Peter say? Silver and gold, I have none. But what I have, I can give. What is it that you have? In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. That's what Peter had So the question too is, what do you have in your hand right now? What is it that you have right now that you can share? Hallelujah. We'll move very quickly to the third word for today, which is that Jesus wants us to trust him to lead us home. Jesus wants us to trust him to lead us home we we'll take this from John 14:1 to 6. It says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. and you know the way, And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord. Thomas said, we have no idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That statement is amazing. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's no, no other religion in the world today that, can, that has ever made such a statement that I am the way, the truth. They can tell you they seem to understand the way, but they, nobody was bold enough to say I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. So the further question now is, what is home? This way that you are trying to, that Jesus is trying to tell us, where is it leading us to? Because Thomas said he doesn't know. So where is this home that Jesus is referring to? The home, which is heaven, is a place of rejoicing. Which is why I was so overly excited yesterday when Pastor told us that this month is our month of rejoicing. It's, our mo- it's a joyous month. This month is a month of jubilation. Hallelujah. It just keyed into what I was saying that, oh, so, I mean, everything is just jamming together. This month is our month of joy, which means that we are commanded to rejoice. Philippians 4, verse 4. Philippians 4, verse 4. KJV version, if you can bring it up. Philippians 4, verse 4. It says, rejoice. Again, I say, rejoice. That wasn't an appeal, that wasn't a suggestion, that wasn't an advice. It was a commandment. It was a commandment, which was why I was, again, very happy when the uh, minister, Abad- Abaddoni, the way he took us this morning, when we were rejoicing and dancing. It just set the pace. It set the pace, or the right pace for this month. Because as this month has been declared, that it is a month of celebration. That it is a month of dancing. It is a month of rejoicing. It will be so in the mighty name of Jesus In the lives of everyone, there will be jubilation every single day. In the mighty name of Jesus, there will be rejoicing in our going out. There will be rejoicing in our coming in. In the mighty name of Jesus, everywhere we turn to this month of June, we'll find joy. In our businesses, we'll find joy. In the marketplace, we'll find joy. On the road, we'll find joy. In all we shall be doing, we will find joy. Because this is what Jesus came to give to us. The way home, the way to joy. And it is a perfect day for us to start practicing. So when we were dancing and doing everything earlier on, if you did not dance well, when we get into Thanksgiving, I just want to encourage you. (laughs) Dance. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you. It is time to lift your own voice. Let everyone hear your voice of rejoicing. Key into the promise of God. These are words to live by. If God has said it, that settles it. If God has said this is the month of rejoicing, this is the ju- month of jubilation, this is the month of joy, it will be so. In the mighty name of Jesus Because God has said it, he's not bothered about your belief. It's up to you to believe it. I believe it. I'm going to dance. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to celebrate. And I pray and I encourage you that you will do so in the mighty name of Jesus. So on that note, if you really think and know that you want to be part of this rejoicing, there may be an hindrance. And that hindrance could be the fact that you are not saved. You are not born again. So if you are here right now, all heads bowed, if you know, you know that you are not saved, you know that you are not born again, and you want to give your life to Christ, we're not going to dwell long about it. All that you have to do is raise up your hand wherever it is you are right now, receive a card, and put your hand down, and that's it. We're not taking your time, we're not asking you to come out. You know that you are not born again, and you want to give your life to Christ today. Just raise up your hand wherever you are right now. Receive a card, And God will bless you as you do so. Wherever it is you are. You want to give your life to Christ. Don't hold back. Don't look at your neighbor. Everybody's eyes are closed. So don't look at your neighbor. Just raise up your hand. Receive the card from one of the ushers around you. And you will be saved. Praise the Lord. Father, we just want to say thank you, Lord. We are forever grateful. Thank you for your word that has gone forth. Thank you for... The hears that I've heard, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that rejoicing will abound in our lives. Jubilation will not cease around us. Lord, we pray that this month of June, your word that it is our month of joy, this word, every one of us will experience it in the name of Jesus and will come back to give you praise and glory. Thank you for all that you have done. Blessed be your name, O Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen.